0: This morning we'll be reading 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 12. That's 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 through 12. It says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts. ...which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil... ...for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness... ...and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness... ...godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses.
1: Good morning and welcome. We're glad that you're here today. Always glad to have visitors with us. We're so thankful for your presence. We do want to encourage you to come back. Appreciate your willingness to come and be a part of our service today. We always invite those who are looking for a church home to consider the work here. We'd love to have you come and be a part of our church family. Very grateful for all the blessings that we enjoy as Christians. We're grateful to live in a free country and the opportunity that we have to worship God this hour without any fear of trouble from those on the outside. I do want to make mention very quickly. I want to encourage you to come back tonight. If you're interested in some of the things that our young folks are going to be facing in the future, some of the things that they are facing, If you're concerned about your children, your grandchildren, I want to encourage you to come back and be present tonight. We're going to be talking about some of the things that they are up against, and I promise you it's very real. And some of the things that we're facing in this country ought to be alarming. And so I want to encourage you to come back and be with us tonight. Let me also just express appreciation to Donald and Billy. For preaching and teaching in my absence last week. I appreciate so much their willingness to stand in and help out. I appreciate them very much. I'm very thankful for them. We're going to be looking at 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 6. Our study today, you can't take it with you. There are a lot of people in our world today, if you didn't know better, you would get the impression that in their mind, in their heart, they really believe that everything that they have accumulated here on planet Earth, that they're going to take it with them. Well, the reality of the matter is that we can't take it with us. There ought to be a lot of emphasis on the inward man as opposed to the outward man. And yet in our culture, much of the emphasis is on the outward man as opposed to the inward man. I want to begin by talking, first of all, about the genuine delight of a saint. And Paul is going to talk about what a great blessing it is to be a child of God. He begins by, first of all, emphasizing our status in the Lord. Here's what Paul said. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Let me just remind you very quickly of our great riches in Christ. Did you know that if you're a child of God, you are a rich person? As a matter of fact, if you're a child of God, you are abundantly rich. Now, it may be the case you don't have a lot of money in the bank, you might not own a lot of land. You might not have a lot of stocks and bonds, etc., but you're rich. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, that every spiritual blessing resides in Christ Jesus. And so those of us that belong to the family of God, we have something that no one can take from us. We have riches beyond imagination. The Bible talks about how, as a child of God, we have been forgiven. That we have pardon. In other words, we have freedom from sin. Jesus said, if the Son makes you free, then you're free indeed in John chapter 8 verse 34. The Bible tells us that in Christ we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. And so to know that we are forgiven, that we have pardon from Almighty God, something that no one can take from us, And then I'm reminded of the fact that we enjoy the peace of God. And Paul would tell us that peace passes all understanding. That peace, no one can rob you from that beautiful inward peace described by Paul in Philippians chapter 4. Those are just a couple of the great, great blessings that we enjoy in Christ. And we talk about our riches in Christ and our reward in Christ. The Bible says we live in hope of life eternal which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 20, Jesus said to His disciples, Rejoice! And why was that? He said, Because your names are written in heaven. The Bible talks about it in Hebrews chapter 12, how those of us who belong to the body of Christ, that we are the church of the firstborn ones. We belong to God. And in that state... The writer said our names have been registered in heaven. So you are a rich, rich person. You talk about your status in Christ and the fact that we have all riches in Christ, that we have a reward in Christ. As I mentioned a moment ago, these are blessings that no one can take from us. Nobody can take your pardon. Nobody can take your peace. Nobody can take the presence of God in your life. Nobody can take your right to pray to a loving God in heaven, these are blessings that God has blessed us with. and No one has the right to take them from us. When I was a young fellow, I remember my dad saying on one occasion, there's one, th- there's one thing that nobody can take from you, and that's an education. And that's true. But you talk about your spiritual blessings in Christ. Now, you could throw them away, but nobody can rob you from them, rob you of them. There's a second thing I want you to see in our study. We talk about our status in the Lord. What about our substance from the Lord? Paul said, Godliness with contentment is great gain. And then here's what he said, We brought nothing into this world. And he said, It is certain we can carry nothing out. Let me just pause here for a minute and talk about our baggage. This is summertime. Many of us are going to be traveling over the next couple of months. Some of you have already been on the road. And most of us, when we travel, we take luggage. We take baggage, don't we? And yet the Bible tells us when we were born into this world, we came with nothing. Not one thing. The Bible also says not only did we enter, world, enter this world with nothing, but we will exit this world with nothing. Job wrote in Job chapter 1 verse 21, he said, naked came I into this world and naked shall I depart. And the idea is we came with nothing, we'll leave with nothing. And yet there are a lot of folks in this world, if you didn't know better, you'd think they were taking it all with them. Listen again to what Paul said, we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Don't you think that in light of this statement there ought to be an emphasis in life on the inward man as opposed to the outward man? Listen again to what Paul said, godliness with contentment is great gain. There are a lot of people in our world today, they think that if, if they can somehow fill the bank with money, acquire more land, climb the corporate ladder, have this, have that, accumulate more and more and more, the idea is they're going to be happy. They're going to be content and satisfied in life. And Paul said, Godliness with contentment is great gain. There are a lot of people in the world. They have made their mark. They have everything. As a matter of fact, many years ago John Rockefeller said, I have made millions, but they brought me no happiness." Think about that. Henry Ford, we talk about the Ford automobile. Ford said, I was happier when I was a mechanic. Can you imagine that? Just because we have everything doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be happy. And what Paul is saying is, look, you want to be happy, you want to be satisfied, you want to be content, not in the things of the world, it's in God. So when you talk about your baggage, you need to understand, when you check out of this world, when we check out of this world, we'll leave our baggage behind. won't travel with us. And then our blessings. Listen now to verse 8. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. The food that you ate this morning, did you thank God for it? clothing that you wear. Have you thanked God for it? Every single blessing we enjoy in this life comes from whom? From God. The Bible tells us that God is the one who gives all of us every good and perfect gift. It would be difficult for us to define all the blessings that we enjoy in this life. And sometimes we overlook Those basic ingredients of life, our food, our clothing, our shelter, our rich soil, industry, health care, transportation, communication, freedom, all of these great blessings, sometimes we take them for granted. And what Paul is saying is, look, God is the dispenser of every good and perfect gift. Everything you have comes from God. The psalmist said, Bless be the Lord, who daily loads us with blessings or benefits. So we ought to get down on our knees and thank Almighty God for everything that we have. So, the delight of a saint. The second thing I want to call your attention to, the grave dangers that all of us face as saints. A couple of things here. First, he's going to talk about A dangerous attitude. And then secondly, a dangerous affection. Listen to what he says beginning in verse 9. This has to do with the attitude. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Is there anything wrong with having money, being wealthy, having a lot of material assets? The answer is no. You can go back and read in Genesis chapter 13, verse 2, about a man by the name of Abraham. And the Bible tells us that Abraham, listen to what Moses said about him Abraham was very rich. Not just rich, very rich. gold, silver, and livestock. This guy was abundantly wealthy and yet he was a godly man. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about his immense faith in Almighty God. There's a real danger in having this attitude that says I want to be rich. I want to become wealthy. Look, Nothing wrong with having blessings in life. But what happens sometimes is when we get so caught up in striving for riches and money and materialism and we're trying to acquire this and that, the problem is sometimes God gets crowded out, doesn't it? Listen again to what Paul said. Those who desire to be rich fall into a temptation and snare. And many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. The idea is it can eat your lunch spiritually. That's what happens. Sometimes folks get so overwhelmed in their pursuit of what this life has to offer, they forget about God. Luke chapter 12. You remember when Jesus said, Take heed and beware of covetousness? Why is that? He said, A man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things he possesses. What he's saying is, just because you have a lot doesn't mean that makes you something special. In our world today, if you have a lot, then people look at you differently, don't they? It's somewhat of a status symbol. It's a badge of honor. And what Jesus is saying is, look, you need to understand, this world's goods does not make you something. Here's what Jesus did say. What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? If somebody were to ask you, would you trade your soul for wealth, what would you say? What if somebody told you that all of the money in the state of Mississippi could be yours? All of the land could be yours. All of the corporations, the businesses that exist in this state could be yours. Everything in this state that has a monetary value belongs to you. The only thing is it's going to cost you your soul. Would you trade out? Would you give it up? I would imagine there'd be some people in in the world that take that deal. What Jesus is saying is you're on the losing end of that deal. So, first, there's a dangerous attitude. And then, listen to this dangerous affection he talks about. For the love of money, he said, is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and then here's what he says, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Paul said the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Money has the ability to distort our perception, doesn't it? Here's what Solomon said in chapter 5 and about verse 10. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver. All Solomon is saying is, look, if you think money's going to make you happy, it won't. If you think that if somehow you can acquire a million dollars... And that's going to somehow make you happy and content, satisfied. He said, you're wrong. If you got a million, guess what? You're going to want two. You got two, you're going to want four. You got four, you're going to want eight. The bottom line is we're not built to find true happiness and contentment in money, materialism, or things. And there are a lot of people that have gotten messed up. Spiritually speaking, because of the love of money. They've lied. They've cheated. They have extorted. They have engaged in immoral actions. Why? For money. And yet, money, power, fame, all temporal. Let me just very quickly say this. This affection, the love of money, it's very real. And there are a lot of folks in our world today, they are driven by one word. And really if you want to get to the heart of everything we're talking about in verses 9 and 10, it's all driven by one word. It's called greed. And greed is covetousness. And Paul said, a covetous man will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, what about the danger of materialism and money? Number one, it can destroy your faith. There are some people that get so caught up in trying to acquire more of the almighty dollar, they forget about the Lord, don't they? They would rather work than come to worship. They would rather work than study the Bible in Bible class. They would rather work and make money than be, than be involved in the work of the church. Why? Because that's what's important. And ultimately, it destroys the faith of an individual. Not only that, but there are a lot of people, because of the love of money, because of this affection, they've destroyed their family. Did you know that there are a lot of families in this city, believe it or not, whose marriages have terminated because of a love for money and materialism. It's driven a wedge between them. Here's what Jesus said, What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. But some people have chosen money and materialism to the neglect of their family. Did you know that sometimes because people are so materialistically oriented and so money driven, They work 12, 13, 14, 15 hours a day, never spend quality time with with their mate, never spend any time with their children. As a matter of fact, not even a part of their lives. So then what what happens? Well, one day they wake up, and there's this huge chasm between, between them. That's what happens. That's why Paul said, Look, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So it can destroy your faith, your family, and then here's what's really serious. It can destroy your future. You see, as a child of God, you're living in hope of life eternal, which God who cannot lie promised before the world began. But if you become so inclined to focus on the outward rather than the inward, the material rather than the spiritual, here's what happens. You jeopardize your soul. There are a lot of folks that would meet the criterion that Paul talks about. Listen again to what he said. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Could I just tell you? There are husbands today they lost their mate. They lost their children. And you know why? Because they love money, love materialism. They chose that over what's really important. Could I tell you something? There are some people that have they have put their future in jeopardy because to them, life is all about the here and now. And they've gotten so caught up and consumed with what this world has to offer, they've forgotten about God. And just because we're members of the body of Christ doesn't mean that we can't be pulled in by what the world has to offer. Sometimes we get so caught up in what this world has to offer, we forget about what's really important. And sometimes, never even give it a second thought until we come to the end of this life. Sometimes we step back and we reflect and we realize, you know what, I made a lot of poor choices in life. So, thirdly, what about the devotion of a saint? The devotion of a saint. Listen to what Paul says in verse 11. In verse 11, Paul's going to say, here's what you need to do in light of everything I've talked about. In light of the fact that we came into this world with nothing, we're leaving with nothing, godliness with contentment is great gain. In light of the fact that riches and materialism and money can't make you happy, they can destroy you. Here's what you need to do. Focus on what is right. Here's what he said, verse 11. But you, O man of God, flee these things... That is, flee everything I've been talking about. Flee this dangerous attitude, these, this dangerous affection. Realize the brevity of life and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. All of the qualities described by the Apostle Paul right here all inward in nature not a one not a one a part of the outward man what do you think Paul's saying I think what he's saying is you need to understand what's really important is the inward man not the outward man now look at verse 12 very quickly number one focus on what's right number two fight for what's right fight the good fight of faith Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. That you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing. Which he will manifest in his own time, he who is blessed and only potentate. The King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Paul's saying, look, you're at war, and you've got to fight for what's right. You've got to be focused on what's right, and you've got to fight until the very end. Why? Because the devil's doing everything he can to destroy you. And you've got to understand you can't take take it with you. So what you need to do is be focused on those things that will be eternal in nature. Why? Because that's what, that's what you're living for. Sometimes when I've had the honor and privilege to conduct a funeral service for a child of God, I've made the observation that death for a saint... This is the culmination of what they had been living for, that is, to go home and be with God. Whether we like it or not, one day we're all going to step out into eternity. As Paul said, when we leave, we're not taking anything with us. So when we stand before God, we want to make sure that our focus has been on the right things. Let me close by asking you this question. Have you been living as if you could take it with you? If so, could I encourage you to redirect your thought process? To realize that bank account, your clothes, all the things that you have in this life, those things, when you leave, they're staying behind. The only thing that's going to matter, were you right with God? If you're not a Christian, here's what you need to do. It's very simple. First, you have to have faith. Because the Bible says, Except you believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins, John 8.24. The Bible then says you need to repent of your sins, Acts 2.38. Confess his name before others, Matthew 10, 32. And then be immersed in water so that all your sins can be washed away. Acts 2.38. If you'll do that, the Bible promises God will add you to the church. You'll enjoy all spiritual blessings in Christ. And you have the hope of life eternal. If you're here today, maybe your life's not what it ought to be. and Maybe you need the prayers of the church. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Won't you come as we stand and sing?